be seated. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. One of the most depressing books I ever read was called One Thousand Great Lives. Now, you would have thought that with a title like that, it would have been an inspiring book, One Thousand Great Lives. But sadly, in its broad sweep of human history, it revealed that for every William Shakespeare, there was a strutting Mussolini. For every gifted poet wandering lonely as a cloud, there were the mass rallies of Nuremberg, the Stalinist gulags, and the killing fields of Cambodia. For each soaring symphony by Beethoven or every Sistine Chapel, there was the image of Napoleon Bonaparte surveying the slaughter on the battlefield of Borodino, or Alexander the Great, or Genghis Khan, or Julius Caesar, relentless and ruthless in their ambition to conquer the world, all wanting to conquer the world and leaving a bloody trail of death and destruction in their wake. The might is right mentality is still with us. The proud displays of Soviet militarism, the bellicose politicians claiming to have bigger buttons and smarter bombs and build higher walls. Macho posturing and preening, nations wanting to be superpowers, jostling for influence. And when you throw in the brutal world view of a world caliphate, the dream of Islamic State, so it goes. People want to conquer the world. And we know how that makes us feel how it generates a world of uncertainty and anxiety. The psalmist tells us that in the face of all this relentless ambition and arrogance and aggression, he who sits in heaven laughs. He who sits in heaven laughs. In the midst of all this shameless saber-rattling, And what if you don't have a sabre to rattle? What if you don't want a sabre? Well, there is an alternative plan for conquering the world. It's very different, and you might even call it counterintuitive, for it laughs in the face of the world's ways, the world's measures, the stalled and failed strategies of the powerful who would rule the world. I remember my old boss, Tom Cuthel, the minister of St Cuthbert's Church in Edinburgh, sharing a vivid and memorable Easter image with us. He described the disciples of Jesus arriving at his grave, all hope gone, despair like an icy shard in their soul, 
only to find there an angel at an empty tomb, sitting on a boulder, cross-legged and grinning. They thought it was all over. They had no idea. Now hold that image of the angel sitting on the boulder, cross-legged and grinning. For this is what conquers the world, according to John, as we read. Faith and belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. This is what the delinquent world needs. A better idea, a truth that will not die, shared by people who have nothing Nothing to bring to the fight except faith and love. Well, just how ridiculous is that? Just how naive is that? As if that will conquer the world. As if a handful of believers huddled in the Colosseum, waiting for the gates to swing open and the half-starved lions to be released, As if the blood-soaked sand of the amphitheatre would be an emblem that would conquer the world. Yet it did. Weakness and faith, service and love got under the skin of the Roman Empire and into the hearts of men and women. And a new age began. And time was split into B.C. before Christ, A.D., the year of our Lord, our broken, crucified Lord. Unbelievable. Astonishing. But regrettably, being people, they didn't leave it at that, did they? The church. They got caught up in the The war games, the use of power and force, the world's tired old methods. They let themselves be suckered into that. They were seduced by the old discredited ways of force and coercion and violence. The old games people play. And that dark and dodgy dimension to the church's story became a rod for critics to beat it with. What about all the wars caused by religion? Became the mantra. The anti-church propaganda stance. The gleeful critique. What about all the wars caused by religion, eh? And although, as we shall see, the facts are slightly different. Although the accusation is only partly true. As a generator of misunderstanding and mistaken perception... It has served well, this great deception. In their recently published book, The Encyclopedia of War, authors Charles Phillips and Alan Axelrod document the history of recorded warfare. And from the list of 1,763 wars fought throughout history, It turns out that only 123 have been classified as involving a religious cause, accounting for less than 7% of all wars and 2% of all people killed in warfare. And people really need to know that and get some perspective 
on this widely held mythology. Well, for example, it's reckoned that between one and three million people in total on all sides were tragically killed in the eight major crusades that took place over a span of 200 years, between 1096 and 1291, between one and three million. Nearly 35 million soldiers and civilians died in the four years between 1914 and 1918 in a secular slaughter of World War I. History simply does not support the hypothesis that religion has been a major cause of conflict. The wars of the ancient world were rarely, if ever, based on religion. They were for territorial conquest, to control borders, to secure trade routes, or to respond to an internal challenge to political authority. Medieval and Renaissance wars were typically fought about control and wealth by city-states vying for power. Ah, the Inquisition. What about the Inquisition? Well, 3,000 people, they reckoned, were killed during the Inquisition. Bad enough. Sad enough to be true. The Mongol-Asian rampage is thought to have killed 30 million people with no religious component whatsoever. Modern wars, the Napoleonic campaign, the American Revolution, the French Revolution, the American Civil War, World War I, the Russian Revolution, World War II, the conflicts in Korea and Vietnam were not religious in nature or cause. Similarly, the vast numbers of genocides, those killed in ethnic cleansings that are not connected to a declared war, are not based on religion. It's estimated that over 160 million civilians, 160 million civilians, were killed in genocides in the 20th century alone. 100 million killed by the communist states of the USSR and China. So, enough already. Let's stop that demented and disingenuous hare from running. We need to win that propaganda war. And the next time we hear someone say... Oh, what about all the wars caused by religion and trot out this old falsehood? We need quietly to point out that while over the course of 2,000 years of its life, yes, sometimes the church has lost its nerve and bought into the ugliness that shames the human story, it is simply not the case that all the wars, or most of the wars, have been fought over religion of this kind or another. And in fact... The commitment the church makes to winning the world is in the struggle for hearts and minds. The desire to let the love of Christ be our secret weapon that wins the loyalty of men and women. And the Bible reminds us, as we read this morning, that the only person who will defeat the world, win victory over the world, is the child of God who loves all God's children and brings nothing to the arena of human discourse and searching other than a heart that is full of compassion and driven by the grace of God. So as men and women build their castles in the air and seek celebrity and find security in bristling arsenals of sophisticated weaponry, and shelter behind the brittle walls of wealth and status and power and influence, he who sits in heaven laughs. 
He who sits in heaven laughs as if those things would provide the real depth that people need, will demonstrate their true worth, will help them to find their true self. These counterfeits and forgeries are not what we're here for. They will never satisfy the ache in our soul for meaning. And it's only when we realise how flimsy and inconsequential and how inadequate and misleading these shelters, these defences are, only then will we start to think deeper and look deeper and see that victory lies not in our possessions, our weapons, our shallow pleasures, but in faith in God. And in his son who says from his cross and dares us to believe that he's right to say it. Fear not for I have overcome the world. And John in his letter reminds us to stay focused. Never to forget that we win the victory over the world by means of our faith. Who can defeat the world, says John? Only the person who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's our manifesto. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.